Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Praise God. I'm excited to be here today. And uh, I'm excited to be able to bring the word. For those of you who do not know, uh, Pastor Richard is in Europe once again. This is his, I don't know how many trips to Europe itself, but this will be his 80th nation that he's going to be a part of this week. And so we're grateful for him. He has already preached. It's five hours ahead. So I know it was a blow up service. I know it was amazing. And so he's done a great job there. But um, for those of you who, again, who may be kind of newer to the house, we are a team here, and this ministry is not just built on people, but it's built on a vision, and so there's a lot of us who are carriers of what God's saying and doing, and so I just invite you to open your hearts, open your ears, open your spirit to hear the word of the Lord from your boy this morning. Is that all right? <laughs> yes, and um, there's a lot of stuff that's going on, and man, I got a little ring, so I'm just, hopefully can find it, but there's a lot of stuff that's happening in the earth, and... Um, I told the team this morning, some of you may not know, but we, I usually put, put our songs up usually by about Tuesday afternoon because then we have rehearsals and stuff. And so that song that we sang last today wasn't on our set list today, but it was something that I felt like God's been saying to me and speaking to us. And I told them, who are we to not be able to be flexible in the presence of God for him to just what, do what he wants to do when he wants to do it? Amen. And I give it up for this team. How fantastic are they? That they are willing and able to be flexible like that. And so I'm really grateful. And along those lines, I had a message kind of set up in my own heart. And God kind of shifted that this morning as well. So here we go. <laughs> I, guess, I guess he knows that I'm just okay flowing and seeing what he wants to do and say. And uh, I'd much rather be a little uncomfortable and let him speak than to have my agenda and do what I wanted to do. Amen. So I'm going to need you to respond. I'm going to need you to say amen. I'm going to need you to look at me, looking at you, looking at me. And I'm going to need you to hear the word of the Lord. But I feel like God's already started something in the room. And what we know is that the earth is full of the presence of God. And what we know is that what he does for one, he's not a respecter of persons. He'll do for the other. What we have to know is that the kingdom of God, I, I, I mean, it's amazing even in the times we live and just through technology and all this stuff that the world has gotten so much smaller in some ways. And I'm just really mindful that when God is moving in a specific way that I know that he wants us to make sure that we're attaching to what his spirit is doing all throughout the earth. So that's kind of where we're headed today. Um, if you guys have been here for the last couple of weeks, the theme of the month is unmistakably unshakable. Uh, my title today is Stick With It. If you are a note taker, the title of PL's message this morning is Stick With It. Somebody say Stick With It. Um, I love that concept and we're going to read a couple verses. I'm going to start in Hebrews chapter 12 and then my text primarily is in John chapter 8. But Hebrews chapter 12 is where Pastor Richard's been, and it says the phrase, one last shaking, this is in the message version, Hebrews 12 message, says the phrase, one last shaking 
means a thorough house cleaning. It means getting rid of all the historical and religious junk. It's a couple versions, but I love that concept because if you understand, and I thought this week um, that I'd be talking about Paul, and I I suppose I'll probably get to that next week. By the way, you're stuck with me for two weeks in a row, so God bless you. (laughs) And if it's smaller next week, if you don't come back, I'm going to take it personally. I'm looking at you. Let me take my notes. Of who's here. So, but, uh, but I was going to get into Paul and because, because Paul is the one who wrote this, this passage. He, scholars will tell you they fight about it, but typically they believe that it's kind of a Paulian authorship. And he says here that getting rid of all the historical and religious junk, when you're talking about it coming from a person who knew history, who knew theology, who knew he was a learned man. So when he says... I want to get rid of all the historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. In other words, he's saying, I just want to keep the main thing the main thing. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I really just want to make sure that in the middle of all the stuff that we do, and I love the fact that in this house, I feel like we have, a, we have a full variety, a full scope of experience here. We can start the first song saying, it might get loud, and we can end in high worship in the, in, before the king of kings. I believe that God is not so much concerned about the way things are done. He's concerned more about the why things are done. He's concerned about us making sure that we keep the main thing the main thing. So he says, unshakable, essential, stand clear and uncluttered. Do you see that we've got an unshakable kingdom? And do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, not only just grateful that he's called us into this space, but brimming with worship, deeply reverent. There's another version that says, worshiping him with fear and with awe before God. And I love this part because it says God is not an indifferent bystander. In other words, it matters to him what his children are participating in in the earth. It matters to him. He's not looking away. It's not insignificant to him the way that we posture ourselves as the representatives of Christ here on the earth. It matters to him. He's not just an innocent or an a, uh, indifferent bystander. Verse 29 says he's actively cleaning house and he's torching all that needs to burn and he won't quit until it's all been cleansed because God himself is a consuming fire. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Let's pray one more time. Holy Spirit, you're already here. And God, I'm wise enough to know that nothing I say matters if you don't breathe through it. I'm conscious enough to know that if you'll move and if you'll come and if you'll breathe your life into these words and into these moments, that nothing is impossible where your kingdom is established. So God, come, Holy Spirit. Oh, I welcome you. Holy Spirit, we look to you. We surrender to you. And we sense you, even as I've said earlier, for what you're doing here in this house and in the earth. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said, Amen. Amen. John chapter 8, 
verse 28 and 30 is also, like I said, kind of where the text is. And it says, and Jesus said to them, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I, Jesus, am he. Now, he's actually literally talking about when he was going to go to the cross, that then people would know, oh, this is the thing that we've been talking about for a long time. But he says, you'll know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. Somebody say, stick with it. He who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone. And I think maybe we could land there because when we're in the middle of whatever circumstances we face, one of the greatest consoling uh, parts of a scenario we can find ourselves in is knowing that God has not left us. <laughs> Sometimes when he feels like he's far away and you can't touch him and you don't know where he's at, he says here, he defines and declares that he has not left you alone for I will always do those things, this is Jesus, that please my father. In verse 30 he says, and as he spoke these words, many people believed in Jesus. Now in the message version, in verse 31 it says this, then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. And he said, if you will stick with it. Somebody say, stick with it. Yeah. He turned to the Jews who had proclaimed to believe in him, and he said, if you'll just stick with it, if you'll just stick with it, living out what I tell you to, you are my disciples for sure. And then he says, if you stick with it, then you are going to experience for yourselves the truth. Now, here's the thing. This is the passage many of you guys have heard many times, right? You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth. You know that verse? You should know the truth. truth but he says not just truth that you know. He's saying, and you will experience a truth for yourself. In other words, you're going to experience something that's so undeniable, that's so unrefutable, that there's nothing that will be able to shake your faith. That's what he's calling us to as believers. And we're in such a crazy time, a crazy season in life. He says, the, you will experience for yourselves the truth, and then that truth that you have experienced will set you free. Now, can I just set this up a little bit this morning? Um, as I said, I had a kind of different direction that I thought I was going to go. And then if you guys have been around at all, if you've read any social media, if you've seen anything on TV, you may know, or maybe you don't know, so I'll tell you, that there has been a revival that has been happening in our land. Is everybody is pretty familiar with that? So maybe if you are, or maybe you aren't, um, the basis is, of is, is this. Um, it's called the Asbury Revival is what they've been kind of calling it. And Asbury University is in just this little city in central Kentucky, the university, I found out, only has 1,639 students. 1,639 students are causing a ruckus in the earth. God is moving through that space. Um, what I found out is that it consists mainly of, and these are things that I think are super important, but when we're talking about revival, there's very specific components to it. 
As a matter of fact, let me go ahead and define revival before we start. The word revival simply means this, restoration to life. Revival by definition is restoration to life. It's consciousness, vigor, strength, and awakening. Awake my soul and sing. A revival is restoration to life, consciousness, vigor, strength, awakening. And it's interesting to me because what I've seen, and I haven't had enough time to really do the research, so I'm going to do a little bit more this week and maybe come back around round two next week. But the things that I've found have been components of every revival that I've watched and searched is, number one, it's praise and worship. It's always a part of it. There's always praise. There's always worship that is connected to revival. The second thing that we've seen specifically through praise and worship, or excuse me, through revival, is there is a movement of prayer. People come back to the condition where they're praying for God to do the supernatural, the impossible. That's always been a component of revival. And then the other part of revival that we've seen consistently throughout history is that repentance is a huge part of revival. Repentance is basically simply saying, if we gave you the analogy, it is you are walking one direction and you do a 180-degree switch and you go the other way. That's what repentance is. And every revival that has ever happened in the earth has had those components. The other part that I found fascinating, and I'll kind of land here this morning, is that almost every revival, the ones that I've studied so far, have all involved young people. Somebody say amen. amen. Now here's the good news about that. At one point in my history, I would have been considered part of a certain group. <laughs> now, you know, you know, it is what it is. I don't think I'd be considered the young person. So I said, then Lord, help me to figure out how I can help this next generation move forward in their revival. Come on. What's my role? What's my spot? What's my position? And here's what I loved about it. Because it started talking about the fact that young people, first of all, they're young. <laughs> right? They got energy that we just, some of us just don't have anymore. I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this. I was thinking about the fact when I went to, I went to Oral Roberts University, right? And I was the king of procrastination. I hate it that it was true, but it was true. And so we would do, I would have tests and stuff that were coming up. And I knew two months in advance. And guess what I did? When did I wait? The night before, right? So I lived. Do you know I lived like two semesters on peanut M&Ms and Mountain Dew? <laughs> do, you, do you know that I would put my body through hell every weekend because I was young? I could do it. Today, I had energy. I had time. Here's the other cool part about young. Being young, I realized, and I started thinking of getting back to some of those moments, like I remember staying up sometimes 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, and I would just be talking to my roommates and friends that would come through our, our campus, and we would talk about the things of God, and we'd have this great vision about what it was that we thought God could do through us. And we didn't have, in many cases, in many ways, all the baggage that comes with just living life sometimes. You know what I'm saying? 
Like when you've been through some life stuff and you've had some circumstances and you've you had some ups and downs and some failures and, and some, you know, accomplishments, when you've had a lot of stuff to bring to the table. So I just noticed that with these young people, the mentality was, hey, why not us? Why not now? As a matter of fact, there was a young man that they documented. He was from Lee University. So this revival started in Asbury University in Kentucky, but Lee University, I believe, was in Tennessee. And this guy went to one of his classes and his professor, and he just said, hey, listen, I'm seeing what's happening all over the earth. And he asked him, he said, why not us? Why not here? Why not now? You know what they did? They left their class. They went to a chapel. They went to their own service, their own campus, and God began to move there too. So here's what I'm asking you. Why not us? Why not here? Why not now? Come on, church. Why not? Why not now, church? Why is it that then, and this is not me correcting you and, you know, throwing blows or whatever. This is me saying, listen, why not us? We've postured ourselves. We've been praying for it for the, for the end of time. We've been asking God, show up, speak to us, breathe in us, sing through us, move through us, Holy Spirit. We yield. Why not here? Why not right here in Central Florida? Why couldn't we see a revival of young people coming to God? Now, I don't have all the information. I don't have all the stats. I don't have all the background. But there was this one lady who actually was a, she was a person who lived in that community. And it says that her name, I'm going to make sure I get it right. Her name it was Carol Stratton. And she and her husband, Dr. Stephen Stratton, Stratman, Stratton, excuse me, are local residents of the university. They were active in the community. And I thought it was so cool because this woman seemed to me like she was a seasoned saint. And when I'm talking about revival, I want to make sure you understand that nobody is excluded from it. We all have a role. We all have a place. We all have something that we can do to help the spirit of God and the kingdom of God be advanced. But I loved Carol's perspective because she said she was a part of the community. She lived there. So she wasn't just somebody that flew in from someplace or drove from another city. She's like, my husband was a part of this campus. And we've been around. And she said she showed up. And all she wanted to do was see if she could get into this room. And the room was backed up. And she said the line was so long, it looked like a, a, an attraction at Disney World. She said it was around the block. And people were waiting to get in. So somebody recognized her. And they gave her a name tag. And they let her be one of the prayer people. And she said this. She said she noticed a lot of things. But specifically what she noticed was that, first of all, those who were helping to lead worship, she said every time before any of them got on that platform, they prayed over them. And then they said every time when those people were done experiencing the weight and the glory of God. I've only had a few times in my life where I literally could tangibly sense God's glory and presence. And it's weighty. And it's, there's a big responsibility that comes with it. And you feel like you're outside of your own skin. You feel like you're literally, I felt like I was on the outside of my body looking down at what God was doing in that moment. And I love the fact that she said every single time 
when they got off of that platform, before they went on and before they got off, they were prayed over and they were covered. I love the fact that she said there wasn't any big person, no big stars, no big whatever. They didn't have a great sound system. There was no songs that were picked out five weeks ahead of time so we could get every note right. There was no, there was, there was no lyrics on a screen. I saw one of the, the moves. There was, it was just a free-flowing, but there was order is what she said. It wasn't chaos. It wasn't just a bunch of people doing what they wanted to do, but there was a hunger that had been stirred in those people, and I found it so fascinating that it was young people that God started to move in. I found it interesting, church, last week or maybe two weeks, last week I guess it was, last Saturday, I hadn't been in our building a, a bunch, and I'm grateful. We have such a great team of people that are actually orchestrating it and making it happening, happen and are watching and doing all the work that's happening. So we've been able to, I think we've been able to kind of look from the sidelines and just enjoy what God's doing. But I had a chance to walk in there last week, and I didn't tell you this, but I walked through those doors, and I walked through the, the whole facility, and I got to see some of the rooms and things. And I was like, God, would you please fill this with your presence? Would you please fill these rooms with people who are hungry for you? Would you please somehow, would you please somehow let our generation be encountered again? Would you, would you please help us to have that desire and that yearning for the power of your spirit and just to be able to touch you and know you and just a hunger for who you are? Would you please do that? And I started thinking, okay, he's doing it in the young people. Do you know why, why it's also so important, I believe, for the young people? Because they come to the table. Do you, have y'all heard this whole thing about deconstructing your faith? Has anybody heard that? That's a big thing right now. People are saying they're deconstructing my faith. And I want to go back and I want to look at everything that's wrong with the faith. I'm talking about this, these are people that are being filled up with just ideologies and things that don't honor our Savior. And so I thought, oh, who better to start it in than young people who are coming in and having an experience that's undeniable, that you can't put in a box, that you can't label it, you can't put a tag on it, you can't call it something because it's bigger than what we know and can do. It's the Holy Spirit moving through us. Do you know the moments that I've had like that and the sweet times where I've experienced his presence like that and you see people healed and you see lives restored. And you see marriages shifting. And you see bondage. You know, we sing about bondages and chains breaking and all this. When you actually see it in front of you, there's something. There's an insatiable desire to see God move. I pray that I'm just wetting your appetite, church. I told the team a couple weeks ago, I'm not trying to do some big performance for you. But I hope that every time you walk in these doors, there's an anticipation that the Holy Spirit's going to do something that morning. Do you feel that way? I hope you do. I can't wait to the day when you got to wait outside because there's so many people trying to get in these doors to experience the presence of God. And there's a lot of naysayers and all the stuff that comes with that. Everybody's got an opinion. If you go through whatever you hear, everybody's side of what they feel about it. But I just said to myself, what can be wrong or bad about people 
wanting to experience the presence of God. Certainly we can find a way to keep it on track, but, but the initial concept of people being hungry for the spirit of God. I'm here again. God, 30 years into ministry, I think you are specifically trying. I know for me personally that he's challenging me again and saying, will you come after me? Will you follow hard after me? Will you come after me with everything inside of you? Will you make room for another generation of people to be able to worship and lead people into your presence? Will you make room for them to have some of the experiences that you've had? And I don't know where you find yourself on this spectrum. Again, this is a whole different direction, but I don't know where you find yourself on this spectrum of the moments in God's presence. Or maybe you're uncomfortable, or maybe you're shy, or maybe it's not something you've been used to, or you were raised in or raised around. I simply believe that when God's in the room, that every man, woman, boy, girl, child, infant, that there's no distance in the spirit that God can move on every single heart. There's testimony. People are being healed, set free, delivered, repenting, moving forward. And here's what I noticed as I kind of come in. Matthew chapter 24, verse 9. Matthew chapter 24, verse 9 in the New Living Translation says this. Then you will be arrested. This is talking about the plight of those who are believers in that time. You will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated over the, over the world because you are my followers. And many will be offended and turn away from me and betray me and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and they will deceive many people. Some of that stuff is happening right now. Sin will be rampant everywhere. Is that happening right now? And the love of many is going to wax cold. Is that happening right now? Yes, it is. It says, but... The one who endures, the one who sticks with it to the end will be saved. Now, here's the thing, church. Here's what God started to challenge me on again. We just, do y'all realize, like literally not even a year and a half ago, we were still coming through the back end of a pandemic? Does anybody realize that? Like, I think it's easy to forget I remember in in some of the early stages, if I'm being really honest with you, there were times during that whole process that I thought, and I'm being honest, that I thought the world was coming to an end. Am I the only one? Should I not have said that out loud? (laughs) Dang, pastor, I didn't know you were thinking that way. (laughs) No, I'm being honest. Like, there were some times... Like, you know, when you're talking about the whole vaccine and stuff, I'm thinking, is this the mark of the beast? Is this the, and I like, I didn't want to come in all crazy and scaring y'all like clearly I'm doing right now. But, um, but there were, I mean, I had, <laughs> I had a whole lot of moments where I'm like, well, maybe this is just the end. So let me just, you know, whatever. No, I didn't. I wasn't like, let's eat, drink, and be merry. I was like, let me reel this back. So we got through, <laughs> we made it through a pandemic. But here's my point. My point is that in the middle of that pandemic, I remember saying to myself over and over again, if we can get through this, I will never go back to business as usual. Did any of you say that? If I can get through rationing the sheets of toilet paper, 
right? I mean, you get it down to a science. Like, I got about, you know, that many sheets. And I told myself, you know what? When the world, if the world changes, I will never go back to, to doing this. <laughs> Is that too much information to you? Am I all right? So. But I said it, and I felt that way. Like, I'm never going back to that. I remember, I remember when we went, I went to Kenya several years ago. And that we had to, the water was so unusable for us because there were all kinds of toxins and things that were in there that we, didn't, we weren't used to. And I remember having to boil water just to brush my teeth. And we had to boil water for everything. And I just, I remember it. I said, man, when I come home, you know, for the first couple of months, I, you know, I was being careful. And so instead of letting the water run, you go back. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's easy to go back to what you were used to. Do you know that all the weeks that we were in this room for a full year, and it was literally my team, Pastor Richard, the sound team, the crew, the multimedia, whatever, but this room was empty. And I remember thinking, I can't wait to get back to the day where I can hear people singing, awake my soul. And I'm not just singing to a camera and I'm not just talking to a screen. Thank God for technology. Thank God we got the best team in the world and we got through that whole scenario. But do you understand that it's easy just to go back to business as usual? And God said, hey, I'm trying to awaken you again so, so that it's not just business as usual. What, I, what we also found is that after every great like epidemic, pandemic, whatever things people were going through, that there's always typically been a great move of God that completely that comes right behind that, preceding that or following that, whatever the word is, it's not preceding, whatever, coming afterwards. We found that, so if we forgot about what we just came through, then it's easy to miss what God wants to do right now. So I'm just reminding you, God, God, do it, God. Lord, could you move every service? Could you show up every time we come, when we lift our hands? Could we come in with passion and see people get their bodies healed? Could you, could, you, could you shift an entire generation of people? Because we just said, hey, this Sunday, February, was it 19th of 2023, we just decided that, God, I'm going to lean into you just a little bit stronger. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's not deep. It's not some big thing. It's just being intentional. It's making a decision. It's telling my team. I called Angel. What was it? 6.30 this morning. I said, hey, I'm changing the song around. Could you make sure you let the team know so they don't freak out when we come in? But, but let's just be sensitive to what God says and see if he won't show up. See if he won't move on this generation. Not just the young but those who have a space and a place in their heart to see God move. And I'll finish with this. Oh, I think I'm far enough away from it to be okay about it. But a whole lot has happened to me since the last, not yet, not quite yet. Since the last, he, got, he was ready on the trigger though, bro. He's putting the music behind me. He's ready to set this move. But so, so I'm a month and a couple of weeks out from one of the most devastating and specific things that have ever happened to me. Those of you who know, know. Those of you who may not know, uh, my mother transitioned to be with Jesus about a month ago. And it was just a very interesting scenario because I realized 
that I've never met anyone who had a greater attitude and I don't know, a, a better, I've never met anyone who had more of a, a disposition of just stick with it. Just don't, I never met somebody like that. And I realized that some of that inheritance, some of that legacy that she was passing on, I believe God wants, wants me to walk that thing out to another level in my own life. Some of you don't know this, but I knew, we knew something was happening with her and that she was really struggling. And usually she would just say, ah, I'm okay, baby. I'm good. We, I'm good. I just don't feel so good. So it was on a, I don't even remember the day, but she said, no, it was actually on the first of the year. And she said, I'm not feeling real well. And she's like, I don't know exactly what it is. And so we talked and we had a great conversation, a great, great few moments. And then about a week later, my sisters called and said that she'd really taken a turn for the worse. And so she was still coherent, still able to kind of respond and interact and stuff. And so they told her, hey, mom, uh, do you want Dorinda, which is my sister who lives in Palm Coast, and Lindsay to come here? And my mom would normally have said, oh, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm all right. But she said that time, she said, yeah, I want them to come. So I knew what that meant. I knew what it meant. I knew because I knew the type of woman she was. I knew the faith that she had. I knew the, the stick to that she had. And so we got on a plane two days later, and we flew to Des Moines, Iowa, which is where she was. And it's so crazy because I know... You know how you, you have truth and then you experience truth? Remember that verse was saying? Not the truth that you know, but the truth you experience. And I know that it was God. And so my sister and I were trying to get there because the weather was a little crazy and our plane was delayed. And I found out that they're like, we, you guys need to get to the hospital. So we're waiting and waiting. And, and um, we got into her room and it was one of the most confirming things of my faith that I've ever experienced. And she hadn't been responding for that entire day. Hadn't said a thing, hadn't moved, hadn't, nobody knew, whatever. And so my sisters told her, hey, Lindsay and Dorinda are going to be coming soon. I walked into the room, and of course she's on, you know, just all kinds of machines and stuff. Hadn't responded the entire day, hadn't opened her eyes, hadn't opened her mouth. And as soon as we walked in and we said, Mom, we're here, Mom, we're here, she started to blink her eyes like as fast as she could and as hard as she could. And I knew she knew we were in the room. I knew she knew. My mom was a tough old broad. And she blinked and she blinked and so my sister and I began to sing worship around her bed. And we began to just worship over her. How great thou art. It is well with my soul. And I held her cold hand and I knew that in that moment mom knew I was here. Jesus knew we were here. And that that woman who'd ran that race, run that race, the race was coming to an end. And I say that because 
The truth you know is one thing, but the truth you experience is a whole different deal. And can I tell you that from the moment I walked in that room, I never felt afraid. I never felt weird or uncomfortable. Pastor Chris and I talked about it. He said, hey, you got to decide. You're gonna, it's, a, it's a life decision whether you want to be in that whole scenario that closely. And when I walked in there, all I can tell you is I, I just felt the peace of God like I've never felt before. You know peace, but I mean, I mean, it was peace like I've never known. And so we got done singing over her, and my sisters came around, and they said, would you please pray? So I got to pray over her. And I got to tell her, your children are standing before you, and they call you blessed, Mama. That the generations and all the work that you put in, raising us and doing what it took as a single mom, I got to pray with her and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, Mom. Well done. Long story short, I won't go all into it, but they had her on every machine imaginable. We had to make some choices. And so by the end of the day, we realized that it was the machines that was keeping her alive. It wasn't her. So we did what we were asked to do. And literally five minutes, all of her vitals dropped. And holding her hand, I got to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done, mama. Now I'm a month out. And there's still moments where after services on Sundays, I would leave here, drive to the parent chiefs to have my Sunday lunch, and I'd call her. Those moments are still tricky for me. And I've had a lot of you that have loved on me and just said, hey, PL, you groove in your, grieve in your own time. You figure it out. You walk it out. But I got to get to the point. So the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life was they asked me, they said, do you want to do the eulogy? And all I can tell you is everything I've lived and talked and preached and sung about came up with a resounding yes. I wouldn't have it any other way. So I had to do this, the hardest message I've ever come up with. What am I talking about? I'm talking about sticking with it, not quitting. So I had to prepare and figure out what am I going to say? How am I going to eulogize my mom? And the pastor was great. And we were in this environment that was different than I'm used to. And it was a traditional old school Baptist church with, with, with pews and a choir riser and a Hammond B3 organ and a pastor with the, with the cross and the thing on his neck and a bunch of mamas with white hats and white gloves, okay? And they was all sitting over there in the mama's side of the room. And they were there, and I was uncomfortable, and I didn't know exactly what it was I was going to have to do and say. And so I found my way, and I felt this, this presence of God. One of the few times in my life I felt God. I knew he was on me. I knew it wasn't me just saying and speaking, and I didn't want to miss a moment because here's the thing. I should have started the story earlier, but I'm going to take my time with it. So we walked through, and what I found out, I realized that my mom was the last one of 13 children, 
11 of them made it, two of them died at birth, but 13 children, all of her brothers and sisters had at least four, No, min the minimum was three, I mean, and so I've got 50 first cousins. My mom was the last one alive of all her brothers and sisters. You talk about a tough old broad, she stuck with it. She wasn't going to leave this earth until she was done. And so I thought, I got a moment where the glory of God could fill the room if I'll just be obedient to him. If I'll just get off of my, my set list. If I'll just get past coming in a room and just doing what we do every time. I knew it was a moment that I had to take the moment. So I stood up there in front of all of my cousins who, by the way, I found out that my mom's funeral was the most highly attended funeral of all the brothers and sisters. And I started realizing that she had a relationship with cousins and other cousins and many of them called her mom. And they, I, didn't know, I didn't know what this woman was carrying until we got to the end. But I realized in that moment that this wasn't just about me eulogizing something. This was me calling the next generation up to honor the legacy that she had. So the word of the Lord for me that morning was, it was legacy. And I got off the platform, and all the mamas with the white hats and stuff were sitting over there, and they was amening and hitting, you know, hankies and the whole thing over there. I came off the platform, and I stood in front of my family. And the one thing that God inspired me to do, encouraged me to do, was pressing and pricking on my heart to do, was to reach out to the next generation. I didn't know we we're about to come into a revival. I didn't know that a month later, we're going to see people moving, God moving on campuses across the earth. I didn't know that, but I stood in front of my family, and God had me call out, Four or five different nephews and different ones that were there who were in their 1920s, early 30s, whatever it is. And hear me, it's not an age thing, but God wants to do something in this earth. And so for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, I got a chance to minister to my family. And I got a chance to call them and I said, listen, mom was excited about me traveling and working with the Gators and building houses and doing all the stuff we got. She loved all the natural stuff, but every conversation I had with her would always lead back to Jesus. What are we doing for Jesus? I got a chance to challenge. And hey, man, please give me camera one. Chuck, I know that the challenge that I gave to you might have seemed overwhelming. I know that I'm not there to walk you through every step of your relationship with Jesus. But can I tell you that God's moving in the earth and he wants to do it through you. Can I tell you, nephew, that that moment was so significant I know, I see it now in hindsight and in retrospect that God was doing something and he wants you to help pioneer it in our generation and our family's lineage. Many of you in this room are in the same boat. 
That's why I get such a kick out of seeing a 14-year-old play the bass, Brent. I experienced God so many times. And when it mattered, when my mom was going home to be with Jesus, there was not one second that I doubted where she was because I knew what she'd been living and walking out. It wasn't truth that I knew. It's truth that I'd experienced. I'm excited about the opportunity to see people's bodies healed. Anthony, I know you're coming through the process, but I'm excited to see miracles happen when we worship him. I'm excited to see, and I know it, I prophesied, I'm excited to see moments when these altars are filled with hungry people. Yeah. I'm excited to expect that God's doing something in now, church. Why not us? Why not here? Why not now? And when I finished that message, I went back to the back of the room and I about collapsed. Because it wasn't enticing words. But I knew the power of the Holy Spirit was in that moment. And I'm just sharing my heart. And I'm expecting God. And team, we're going to continue to try to write. We're going to continue to try to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. And we've got our first Wednesdays coming up. And we're going to use those times for worship. I'm imploring you. Let's go after God. If the revival that we're seeing fizzles out someplace else, how many of you know it doesn't have to stop what God's doing here? I'm hungry for him. I'm done. Bow your heads. (laughs) Because I'm late. Oh, Jesus. Revival, revival, revival. Awakening, stir our hearts, refresh us, renew us, restore us to life, consciousness, vigor, strength, awaken us. And Lord, let not one single person feel like they're excluded from what you want to do. This is not an age-biased thing. This is you moving in the earth. This is you having your way. Hey, team, come up here. Team, band, band, team, come up please, band team. We're done. But um, let's continue to stay in that atmosphere. Father, I thank you for today. And I thank you that hopefully this just wets their whistle, wets their heart, wets their desire to be ready to seek you further. God, I pray. We pray for the move of God that you're doing all over the earth. We pray. What I didn't get a chance to tell you, there are campus after campus after campus Anderson University, Bethel University, Campbellsville University, Eastern Kentucky, Eastern Nazarene, God's Bible School, Indiana Wesleyan, Kentucky Mountain, Lee University, Midway University, Mount Vernon Nazarene, Ohio Christian University, Ohio State, Olivet, Oral Roberts, Purdue, Southern Wesley, Spring Harbor, Taylor University, Trevecca, and on and on and on that the wildfire has spread across the globe. Come on. campus after campus after campus God's moving he's moving he's starting something stand up on your feet we're going to finish here God we pray God we pray 
God, we pray for your spirit. We pray for a move of God. Come on, lift up your hands all over the building. And Ben, I'm going to have you guys jump on to Awake My Soul if you can. Do the best you can. I know I'm not in the loop, but I'm going to have you pull that up. Lift up your hands. We're going to pray. I'm sorry we're long. Hey, is it bad that we go long sometimes? No. Let's just let, let, Scott, let, let God do what he's doing. So God, we lift up our hands and we cry out, God. We cry out for, gener- for this generation. God, we cry out for the move of your spirit. God, we cry out and we ask you, here am I. Send me. Choose me. Pick me. I'm available, God. I'm surrendered to what you want to say and what you want to do. Let me be a part of the next move of heaven that you are doing here on the earth. Lord, let us taste it right here in central Florida, right here in the middle of the state, right here in Ocala. Let the Spirit of God permeate this atmosphere. Let there be an electricity about what you want to do. And Lord, we know that man can't do it. We can't manufacture it. We can't make it up. It's not us. It's not our bright ideas. It's not our agendas and our flow and our great technology. It's a sovereign move of your spirit. We ask you, come on church, pray. Begin to pray right now. Come on. Just begin to pray. Begin to pray. If you're uncomfortable, that's all right. If you're not used to this, this is this is what we do. We get outside of our comfort zone. Holy Spirit, we ask you right now to let the Spirit of God begin to move in this place like never before. We thank you, Lord God, that you have you have a desire to see lives transformed. You have a desire to see hearts transformed. Thank you, Lord God, that we posture ourselves for a move of your Spirit, and we look to heaven, and we position our hands. Our hands are lifted high. That's an act of surrender, God. We are open. We're ready. We're available. We're asking. We are in tune to what you want to do holy spirit would you come would you come would you speak through us would you breathe in now church would you keep that revival burning lord god those who are deconstructing the faith thank you that you're moving in that generation that you're moving in the hearts of those young people that you're giving those who have energy supernatural grace to walk it out lord those who are living on peanuts uh, peanut m&ms and mountain dew lord i thank you that you can do something supernatural through them i thank you lord god that when we walk in these doors there's an expectation that you can move, that you can move, that you will breathe, that you will touch lives and hearts. We cry out, God. We ask you for it. And I'm not ashamed to reach up to heaven and say, God, we're desperate for it. Oh, you're starting something. Move in your people, Holy Spirit. Move in your people, Holy Spirit. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag Now Church. Thank you.